Hello? We're your new neighbors. Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. We were wondering if we can borrow some brown sugar. you how bad a day you're having. Right now, you're jacking a couple cops. Oh, yeah, well, I'm a stand-up comedian. And I suck! That's why I need your car! Hey, look, now, I ain't no Wesley Snipes. I just hang out with stupid-ass friends that drive stupid-ass cars that attract a lot of motherfucking attention. You know what? I need to jump over this car and smack you in your peasy-ass head. That's what I need to do. Bro, you know what? You're arguing over hey. mother. It's not about your friends, it's man. about your lack of respect for other people's property. Hey, 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 hey. Shut the f*** up, stupid. Shut up, man. Hold up, f***. Put the All right, now, do something up. bad enough, come get some. <laughs> you like that Wesley Snipes, passenger 57. Now give me a mother handy wipe. Now let's hear one of those jokes. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmastunas. How is everybody doing today? Man, I have had one hell of a week, man. I've gone from bats, I've gone to uh, wasp nest, to having a lady hit me uh, in the McDonald's driveway. It's been just a flipping crazy, ridiculous week. And, uh, you know, I apologize if uh, you hear any sort of buzzing noise in the background just because today is like 95 degrees already and it's only like 9:30 and uh, I got you know I have the air conditioner on so hopefully that uh, noise doesn't pick up in the microphone but if it does I apologize hopefully you will forgive me on that but yeah man it's been crazy you know uh, the next day after I return I recorded return to Oz we, uh, we put in the air conditioners, and uh, we have uh, two air conditioners. We have one for upstairs and downstairs because we don't have central air. So I, uh, you know, in downstairs, we put it in the living room, and then it cools off the dining room. So we put it in a fan to cool off the dining room, which is the room that I'm in. But it's not really a dining room. It's more like a computer room because really the kids are in here. They play. There's no place that we eat. So really it's the computer room slash kids room. So that's where we put a fan in to cool off the living room and dining room. Then the kitchen, of course, is not cooled off because, you know, you cook in there. Why would you want to cool that off? And then upstairs, we have the air conditioner in our bedroom. And then we use the fan to blow down to the girls' room. So, and then we had a sheet up. So that night, uh, you know, I took the girls to bed. And they have a black light because, you know, they have the stars up in their ceiling. So that way, um, it will, uh, you know, that way it shines off, you know, pretty nicely. So we go upstairs. It's about like 1030 at night. And my wife's like, there's a bat in the girls' room. And me, you know I love Batman, but I absolutely hate bats and petrified. You know, a guy normally would be afraid of snakes or spiders. Me, it's bats. So uh, so I get the tennis racket. And I'm like, you know, I'm just like praying to God, please help me out here because I'm, you know, I'm freezing. You know, I'm just, I'm like nervous and I'm in shock. And she's like, you got to get the girls out of the room. So I'm like crawling to get to the girls. And uh, I'm like, you know, get, get up, wake up and 
crawled down, and then my oldest daughter knew that we had a bat. So finally, we went. Uh, we got. I got the girls out. Everything was cool. We went downstairs, and you know, normally I just pray that it just leaves, but I said, you know what? I can't. I can't do this. I got to go upstairs, and I and I got to kill it because I essentially flipped on the hallway light, which the hallway light was bright enough for it to uh, kind of get out of the way and kind of go to the darker side of the girls' room. So that way, I was able to get them out. So I shut the light off and I was just waiting for it to come back out. So I was at like at the end of the hall and I had like my hoodie on and I had gloves on. And I mean, I was ready to go to war. I waited like 30 minutes. The thing didn't come out. And finally, I got enough courage to walk my way down the hallway. And, uh, and I'm crawling on my knees at this time, just waiting for it to attack me. And finally, I worked enough courage to get into the room to turn the light on, which took another 45 minutes. My wife was just wondering what the heck was going on. And then the bat didn't fly out. I said, where did it go? It had to have left where it came in. So here I thought it was gone. So I just said, okay, we'll just sleep downstairs for tonight. So I couldn't sleep that night. So I got up at like 530 in the morning. And uh, and I went in their room uh, just to see if maybe they, you know, just to see if it was maybe in there. So then I heard uh, what I thought it was in the rafters. But come to find out, on top of my girl's bed on their shelf, they have like this door or trash can that they display and the and the bat actually flew inside of the trash can so i just thought okay i just got to get something to put over the trash can but uh you know me i'm just i'm petrified i'm nervous here i'm shaking so i got a puzzle and of course the puzzle fell apart i thought it hurt it and i like ran out of the room thinking that oh he probably heard that really loud noise but uh, i managed to get the puzzle on top of the garbage can and then i put a book on top of that to hold it on then I call my wife upstairs. I'm like, look, you need to help me take this bat outside. If I hold the garbage can, I'm going to shake and I'm going to let it go and it's going to fly at me. And she's like, are you sure it's in here? Because she was like hitting it and didn't hear nothing. I said, I swear on my life it's in here. Trust me. So we go outside and surprisingly the next morning it was like 50 degrees out. So it was cold. You know, it was cold compared to like 90 degrees and then you shift to 50 degrees. So I used this really long pole to knock over the garbage can when it was outside so it would fly away. Because, you know... I, I don't want to kill the bat unless I really have to. And they're endangered species anyways. So I tip it over. Nothing flies out. And my kids are looking in the window. And they just look at me like, I can't believe you. there's no bat in there. So I tip it back over. And then I tip it just a little bit more to the left-hand side. And then I just see it laying there. It's a little tiny, little tiny baby, like maybe an inch big. And finally, when I knocked it over, it realized that it was outside it took like five minutes and then it flew away so then i went upstairs and i said okay you know i took the day off from work and i just said okay i'm gonna tear up the girls room and find out where it came in so the two windows one of them was already sealed off from the first time we got bats about three years ago so i checked the second window i was like there's no way it could have came in so the only thing i thought of is it had to have come in our room and because we had an old air, we had an old window air conditioner sitting in the window, but we hadn't taken it out for a couple of years because Masunis is lazy, doesn't want to do any housework if he, you know, he doesn't want to do any hardware work if he doesn't have to. He cleans the house every other weekend, but he doesn't want to deal with pulling it out. So I said, you know what, it had to have come in there because now we use duct tape to go around the window. So there's no way nothing can come in. If it does, it'll get stuck. But back then I used a towel. So I figured that it probably squeezed its way through the towel at the top of the window and that's how it got in. Because it was so cold in our bedroom, it went to the girls' room because it was warm. So I thought, okay, that's a good theory. I'm going to go with it. 
Well, here's where the fun begins. I go to the bedroom. I pull stuff out to pull the air win- the window air conditioner off. I pull the towel off, and there's five wasps' nests just sitting there inside the window. So uh, I eventually got the wasp nest out. Luckily, the most of the wasps that were in there were dead. Uh, I got the window all closed up. I got it sealed off with duct tape and stuff. And so far, knock on wood, we haven't had any bats come in. Uh, but it, it was definitely an adventure. So two days later, uh, at lunchtime, I go to get my wife uh, and my kids some lunch. She wanted a big burger. So I got a big burger over across the street at Wendy's. So I went to McDonald's because my kid likes the chicken nuggets. And this lady sitting behind me lets go of her brake and hits my car. Now, granted, it's like two feet. But, man, it, it flipping my neck started to hurt. I'm like, seriously, how come my neck hurt after getting hit in the back of the car in like two feet i'm like it's all in my head it has to be in my head so and it was because the next day my neck wasn't hurting but it was just so annoying and of course my car so messed up i couldn't tell if there was any damage anyways but it was just so flipping annoying and then i was just like i couldn't record on friday because things were just so busy in my house so it's here it's saturday it's the 27th uh i'm good to go i'm gonna get this episode out to you and then uh Probably Bad Boys 2. Uh, I'll either review that this coming Tuesday or Friday the latest. I want to get back on the Tuesday track. I'll probably end up recording you know, right away on Tuesday just because not a lot of people care about Bad Boys 2 anyways. So I guess it really doesn't matter if I get the episode out you know pretty soon um but you know we'll deal with that in a little bit so for right now uh that's kind of my my story of the week uh hopefully you found the humorous so let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news So for the the biggest piece of movie news that I have that I wanted to address on are my feelings in regards to the G.I. Joe retaliation delay. 
So uh, I got a I got a nice little Facebook message from uh, from my friend Jameson, and he's like, "I'm sorry that your uh, Dwayne uh, summer." Uh, excitement has been postponed, and I then I'm like, what kind of crack are you smoking? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then that's when I found out, because uh, then I saw Flicks uh, had posted a thing about uh, GI Joe going into conversion for 3D, and then of course I finally found the news source. So I was like, man, I was livid, man. I was like, seriously, uh, you know, it, because the general assumption was that it was running scared because of the battleship. Uh, you know, the battleship didn't do as great as it was expecting, but here's the thing, Avengers can only be number one for so long. So I was just real annoyed, I'm like, are you seriously gonna delay this film because of the fact of you're afraid of the Avengers? Is that what your problem is? Because what they're saying is, is that they're going to delay it so that they can convert it to 3D. Because on the overseas market, 3D is humongous. So they know if they convert it to 3D, they're going to make a crap load of money. Which, on a business standpoint, I guess I can understand that. However, you would think if this was such a big deal, they would have done that from the beginning, right? So, come to find out a couple days later, I found out the real truth behind this. Was the fact of the test audiences that watched this were really pissed off about the whole Duke situation. Because we're all made to believe from the trailers that pretty much everybody dies. And the only one left is The Rock. Um, and then the girl, uh, which was going to be Wonder Woman, or it was also Jessica in the Supernatural uh, episode one. And then, uh, you know, later on, a couple episodes. And then, you know, Bruce Willis and stuff like that. Uh, so I guess he dies, which I kind of thought he did, uh, or he probably doesn't die, but then maybe he's in a hospital bed and then the GI Joe say, you know, we'll go ahead and get revenge for you kind of thing. And then you don't see him too much. Well, people may not like chain of, uh, chain of Tatum, but the fact of Duke is a very important character. As my wife put it, she's like, that's like going to watch a Batman movie. Uh, Batman dies and Robin takes over the whole entire movie because Roadblock isn't supposed to be the leader of the G.I. Joes. I said, well, technically Bruce Willis is the leader of the G.I. Joes in this movie, but who knows how much he's in it. So my impression is, is that just because Dwayne Johnson is the bigger, you know, she's like, just because Dwayne Johnson is the bigger star, I get that. Roadblock shouldn't necessarily be the leader. It should be Duke. You know, I understand that Dwayne Johnson should get more screen time than Tatum should, is what she was saying, which I totally agree with her. So, evidently, the test audiences were pissed off, in fact, of either Duke died or he wasn't in it that much, which they haven't confirmed. So, they're going to reshoot, which I'm completely fine with, because if you're going to fix it, you're going to make all the fans happy. The people that want to see the... the uh, Dwayne said on Twitter that they're going to reshoot the particular scenes for 3d there's been no i guess quote-unquote official confirmation of the reshoots for for tatum channing but you can put two and two together cross your t's dot your i's and you can figure that they're gonna reshoot his parts to either make him alive or put him more in the film so we get the perfect balance where we'll get uh, duke and then we'll get roadblock and we'll get bruce willis and then everybody will be happy so now that i know the real reason behind it i'm cool with it i'm not so pissed off about it the fact of you were just going to do it for 3D, that's what annoyed me. But the fact of if, if, if you just would come out and just say, look, people didn't like the fact that we did this to the character, we need to reshoot, and we're going to fix the problem, 
I would have been cool with it. I never would have had a problem. I never would have posted any sort of like madness or whatever towards the film. So I'm totally cool with it. That is fine. You just need to be upfront with your fans because if you're not upfront with your fans, you're going to get, uh, you know, pun intended, retaliation. So that was pretty much the, the biggest story of the week for me was the G.I. Joe retaliation pushback. I'm fine with it now. So, and you know, I, a movie, mo- uh, movie, Mojo Monthly wanted me to uh, wanted people to email in your thoughts on that, which I did, and I emailed my frustration on that prior to finding out about the real reason. So probably if you guys listen to that show and you and you uh, when they talk about the email, you're gonna hear my frustration on that. But I just want to set the record straight of how I feel now about it. I'm cool with it just because I know the real reason behind it and I can deal with it. So. Uh, other interesting news this week, uh, good old Gary Oldman, he is going to be in the new RoboCop remake. Come, Yeah, it's kind of funny. Last night I was watching the RoboCop movies. I watched RoboCop 1. I'd buy that for a dollar. And then I watched RoboCop 2. Uh, but sadly, Gary Oldman is not going to be you know, RoboCop. He's actually going to be Ed 209. So unfortunately, we're not going to get to see his face, which kind of sucks. But what are you going to do? So, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't been checking your Facebook, you'll notice that, well, I guess if you're not a fan of the page, there's been a crap load of new Dark Knight Rises banners all over town, which if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you'll see that pretty much every day I've been uploading new photos. Uh, it's been pretty awesome. They've done individual uh, posters for uh, Catwoman and Bat- uh, Batman and Bane, and then they have also done banners, which have like, particular scenes, which they look awesome. And then there was a special hidden Catwoman picture where you just see her boots breaking the bat symbol. So it's been some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I'm very, I'm getting so pumped up for this film, man. It's not even funny. Oh, I cannot wait to see this. And, and here's the thing. One of my friends had asked me about, do you think that the Dark Knight Rises will beat the Avengers record? You know, I, and I kind of touched on this on the last episode, but there's a lot of things I'm going to clarify or bring up again because probably not a lot of you uh, listened to the last episode. Here's my general consensus on this. You know, because I said before the Avengers episode that the Dark Knight Rises was definitely going to beat the Avengers record. Well, my opinion is I really don't care. All I want is an awesome Batman movie. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The two biggest movies of the year are going to be comic book movies. Whether Avengers is above Batman or Batman is above Avengers, I really don't care because we all win. Us comic book fans, we win. Knowing the fact of the two biggest movies of the year were comic book movies... You can't complain. You can't, you know, it's awesome. So I really don't care if the Dark Knight Rises breaks the record of the Dark Knight or breaks the record of the Avengers. I just want an awesome final movie to the Batman series that I love and adore. And there's nothing wrong. I I don't think that that's a, a bad statement or something bad to ask for. I think that's... I think that's fair, you know. There's no way of knowing how Spider-Man is going to do. There's no way of knowing how Batman is going to do. We don't know until it happens. But all I care about is the fact of I just want an awesome movie. I I honestly think that The Dark Knight Rises has the potential to be better than The Dark Knight. I really truly believe that and I hope that that happens. Now, I'm going to go in there with an open mind and not have high expectations. My high expectations is going to be just one thing, is that I just want it to be awesome. So, we will see what happens. So, yeah, those banners are pretty sick. Uh, If you have not checked it out already, make sure you go online and check them out. 
Now, um, there is one suggestion that I do want to make to you guys. Is the MTV Movie Awards is going to be coming up. Uh, I suggest that you tape it uh, if you do not like this show just because there is going to be uh, exclusive footage aired during the MTV Movie Awards. So uh, I would just suggest tape it, fast forward to this, you know, to the Dark Knight stuff and watch that. Uh, that's what I'm going to be doing and uh, I think it's going to be awesome. And it's any new exclusive footage is, uh, footage is great. I mean there's been those two TV spots. That recently hit. My favorite part is when uh, I guess like the butt, the doorman or whatever opens the door for Bruce Wayne and he says, "Your wife ordered you a cab, sir." And then Bruce Wayne's like, "My wife." And then you see Selena Kyle inside of his Lamborghini smiling and just taking off. And I was like, "Man, that's flipping awesome!" And I mean, the TV spots almost look more exciting than the flipping uh, newest trailer that came out. So it's some good stuff. I can I love any excluded stuff. So. Um, and pretty much for movie news, the only other thing that I had that I wanted to talk about was the Men in Black 3 movie that just came out this weekend. So uh, it's kind of funny I'm doing a Will Smith film. Uh, you know, I love Will Smith. Uh, Bad Boys probably uh, for me is kind of what started the whole Will Smith kick. And then I went to Independence Day. Now, uh, as far as part three goes, I've been hearing not very favorable, favorable reviews on the film. Uh, so I definitely want to hear your opinion on Men in Black 3. If you guys go and see it, please email in because I really want to know how bad this movie is or how good it really is. You know, critics' perspective, I really don't care. I want to hear from a fan's perspective. So I know some of you are going to be going to check this out this weekend. So please go ahead and email in and let me know your thoughts on Men in Black 3. So uh, let's get into some uh, music news real quick. Now, uh, American Idol uh, ended this uh, this past week. And like I said, I, I kind of stopped watching a couple weeks ago. But if you didn't know who the winner was, uh, the winner is uh, Joshua. He was the winner. So, you know, whippity doo -dah. Uh But I did actually tape the finale because I want to actually see all the returning people show up and all the guest stars. I guess Aerosmith was on there. So I'm kind of looking forward to watching that. But uh, if you did care who was the winner, uh, it was Joshua. He is the one that uh, won the show. Now, of course, uh, Beastie Boys' uh, Licensed to Ill album actually came back on iTunes, uh, you know, after the unfortunate death of Adam. Uh, what happened is, if you didn't know already, it was actually when the album came out in 1987, it was the first rap album to hit number one on the Billboard. 200 chart which was pretty cool uh, it actually set um, the top on March 7th 1987 and it spent 7 straight weeks at number 1 and I'll tell you man it is so hard for an album just to keep to keep you know keep number 1 so it's pretty cool uh, you know and of course there's been a lot of different uh, a lot of different benefits going on and just tributes you know Red Hot Chili Pepper just recently did one and uh, of course there's been some 10 awesome rhymes you know what you what you what you want is probably one of my all-time favorite beastie boy songs i've been i've been pumping that song recently it's been pretty cool and, and sabotage is always fun but i guess the biggest one that everybody loves is the uh fight for your right to party 
Uh, always a good time. So I would definitely be playing some Beastie Boys on the show later on this year. Uh, good old Monday Night Jason had a request for that, and I said, dude, no problem. So Now, if you're an Adam Lambert fan, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but he did actually score his first number one album on the Billboard 200 with his album Trespassing, which is pretty cool. Now, for those of you who don't know, usually when an American Idol um, contestant comes off of the show, they usually pull out a CD pretty quick. Uh, it's usually within like four or five months. So obviously those songs are already pre-written, probably already musical-wise, it's already done. So really your first album doesn't really showcase your artistry, if you will. Um, Now I think Daughtry was the exception to the rule because he already had written almost half of the songs that were already on the album. Now Daughtry's album definitely showcased how he was and, and his albums continued that versus like if you listen to Kelly Clarkson's first CD, first CD really sucks compared to her second one. I mean the first one's good, it's just you know pop, but her second one that's when she got humongous, especially when the whole pop rock kind of stuff. So if you really want to hear that the Adam Lambert style that you probably know from American Idol, uh, that's the CD that you want to check out, which is probably what really helped to get it to be number one. So I really like to see uh, after an American Idol artist has come out to check out their second CD because that really tells me the kind of artist that they're going to be. So, And then, of course, it was time to say goodbye to the Glee clan. Now, I mean, I guess technically you could put this in TV news, but if you're a fan of Glee Season 4 wrapped up and they got a whole bunch of music on iTunes for the season, so go check that out if you are a Glee, plan, a Glee fan as well. So otherwise, the music news, not a whole lot of other stuff happening. So let's go ahead and get into some TV news. Too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. All right. Now, if you remember the good old 80s TV show ALF, uh, which stand for Alien Life Form, it was like this real wise, cracking, uh, brown... Uh, looking uh, alien. He was really funny. Uh, now, I guess technically it could be in a movie news, but really, uh, because of the fact that you really have to know the TV show to know who this character is, he could be headed to the big screen, which is pretty flipping cool. I am excited for that. So, I love Alf, and you know, Alf had definitely one of the worst uh, ser- series finales. Flipping suck, man. I'll tell you. Uh, if you remember back in the day what happened. Uh, I just remember being very disappointed with the ending of Alf. And I think they actually uh, were able to come back and do like a TV movie to kind of help get things, uh, you know, fixed a little bit. So that was pretty cool, I guess. When when you're able to, uh, you know, when your show ends and you come back and do like a TV movie to kind of wrap things up, that's the way TV shows should be nowadays. Now, we are in the uh, quote-unquote summertime, so Teen Wolf is coming back to MTV. Now, I love season one. I thought it was excellent, and I really thought I was going to hate this show because, you know, Teen Wolf is a Michael J. Fox film from the 80s that was a comedy, and uh, the show on MTV took a different approach. Uh, they made it very serious tone. I mean, it's definitely a, a teenager show because the guy's in school, and, and uh, you know, it's all like... Uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend kind of stuff, but it's really entertaining. The wolf stuff is very good. Uh, special effects. I really enjoy the character styles. is definitely awesome. So season two is going to be coming back uh, on June third, which is flipping sweet. And then of course, Pretty Little Liars makes its return on my birthday, June fifth, which is pretty flipping cool, which is in like ten days. 
So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, Burn Notice will be making its return along with all the other summer shows like White Collar and stuff like that on USA. So I'm very excited for the summertime, getting the, the summertime shows. I love it. Now, the thing that sucks about Teen Wolf is it only comes out once a year. You know, every other TV show makes its shows and then you have to wait like uh, four or five months and then you get the new season. Teen Wolf, you got to wait a year. It's only a summertime uh, show and they only have 12 episodes. So that's what kind of sucks is the fact that you have to wait till the following summer for it to come back out. Which Bird Notice, I flip and love that they do uh, a summer premiere and they do a winter premiere, which is flipping cool. Uh, I just I wish all the shows would do that. So, and then the last part of uh, TV news is ABC, ABC still wants to do a Hulk show. So we will see how that uh, how that works out. You know, because uh, Mark Ruffalo was signed on. Uh, to do more pictures of of Hulk, whether that be uh, in other Marvel movies or his own TV show or however they want to do that. You know, the, the specifics have not been publicized at this point, but most of us think that he'll make cameos in other films and then probably do like one Hulk film, then of course Avengers 2. But uh, if they do a Hulk series, I would hope that he would be in there. But I guess we'll see what happens with that. And then, of course, the Secret Circle, as I mentioned in the last episode, is that uh, it's rumored to be going to be picked up and go to ABC Family. Uh, there's a lot of petitions out there to save the show. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. But if it happens, that would be awesome. But if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm kind of over the whole canceling of the TV shows. So that's what I have for movie, music, and TV news. Let's go ahead and get into the review of Bad Boys. It was brilliant. It was foolproof. It was the perfect crime. But for Miami detectives Marcus Burnett and Mike Lowry, it was the ultimate nightmare. This was our career bust, which is what, $100 million? Just do what you do, only faster. Let's try to do this right. No gunshots, no dead bodies. Well, you know, if I recall correctly, the last couple dead bad guys belong to you. Please. You ain't even trying to compare body counts. Why? Uh, should I keep going all day? I'm, I'm out. Now, this case. We got 72 hours before the FBI and the DEA walk in here and shut us down. You know, you drive almost slow enough to drive Miss Daisy. This murder this witness you, you you ain't with the bad guys now you're with the cops this is your getaway car what is this a family station wagon oh my god you got a baby seat in the back i'm going to put them look at you look at you can you stay focused what are you talking about i'm focused yeah focused on all this scattered ass around here to the ultimate test Columbia Pictures presents... Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. Oh, man, that's too much bass in your voice. That's scared white folks. Martin Lawrence. We were wondering if we can borrow some brown sugar. Will Smith. You see, you do something wrong with you. What's up? 
this April, the law will be served. Please! Justice will be done. You forgot your boarding pass. Oh, shit. And boys will be boys. Bad boys. What you gonna do? Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gotta do when they come for you? bad boys and i gotta say i have a lot a lot a lot of love for this film number one this is my first michael bay film that i ever saw and i have to admit before michael bay became unpopular i thought that this movie was awesome because i had never seen fast slow motion before you know i I saw the slow motion crap in the matrix and i thought it was stupid but then in this movie it was like the slow motion was slow but it was fast at the same time like will smith running was always epic looking and then when they uh when they lift their heads up together in slow motion and then the camera goes around them which is kind of like a thing that i guess michael bay does in all of his films to me, I thought the movie was shot well. I was like, man, I really like the guy that filmed this movie because it looks really flipping cool. Uh, there's This movie is just so flipping good. I mean, it came out in 1995. It's an action comedy which stars Will Smith, Mr. King of Summer, and Martin Lawrence. Now, the funny thing is, is top billing goes to Martin Lawrence, not Will Smith. I guess Martin Lawrence maybe was bigger than Will Smith at the time, but the fact of in Bad Boys 2, Martin Lawrence still gets top billing after flipping Will Smith has already done Independence Day and and done all his big action films, iRobot, all that crap, and then flipping doesn't get top billing for Bad Boys 2. That kind of irritated me a little bit. But next week we'll get into that when I talk Bad Boys 2. You know, we'll get into uh, why people don't like Bad Boys 2 or the minority of people that do or in the reasoning behind the fact that people don't like it. But for right now, we're dealing with the original. So uh, a lot of good stuff here. Now, the funny thing about this film is the fact that there's a lot of improvisation, which, you know, I talked about when we reviewed Beverly Hills Cop, how Eddie Murphy was able to do a lot of his own. And that's what really helped make that film uh you know really go transcend if you will so michael bay he didn't really like the script a lot and he often actually engaged uh, will smith and martin lawrence in discussions about how the dialogue and scenes could improve and he actually uh allowed them uh to improvise while the cameras were rolling uh, just kind of go with the flow he secretly at one point actually told will smith to call lawrence uh you know, uh, the B word uh, before the car scene and uh, and the whole like uh, the two the two B's in the C, that whole that whole scene that was all improvised. So that way, uh, Martin's, uh, you know, Martin Lawrence comments 
uh, and Tia uh, Lanoni calling him gay, all of that would be, you know, like uh, legitimate, you know, which is pretty cool. Uh, the store, the scene in the convenience store where the clerk puts up the gun, freeze, mother bees. I, I flip and love that. It's awesome. Uh, they actually put a gun to um, to Burnett and uh, and Larry's head. <laughs> that was all. All of that was improvised, which is so awesome. And they're like, no, you freeze. Be, you come back. Now come back. Put the gun down and give me a pack of tropical fruit uh, bubblicious and some Skittles. That whole scene, which is probably why it's one of my favorite scenes of the film, was all improvised, which is so sweet. Now, uh, another really cool thing is at the very end of the film, uh, there's a part where you know Mike tells, uh, tells Marcus that he loves him. Well, if you listen to the DVD commentary, which it did, uh, at the end of the film, uh, Bay and, and Smith, they were just having this fight, and Will Smith refused to say the line, and and it caused, uh, you know, caused them just to just to fight over it. And Bay wanted Smith just to say the line. He felt that it summed up their friendship between them, you know, very well. And after their argument, it lasted for like. Uh, half a days of shooting so much of the crew actually already left and packed up for the day and you know michael bay was actually so fed up with will smith he just said you know what do whatever you want and that never happens you never hear that nowadays it's like you either go by his way or it's the highway but at the end will smith changed his mind and agreed to it now the cool thing is is that uh, i was watching an interview because you know i really want a bad boys 3 i really really do i would just love to see it and i just watched a recent uh interview they were uh interviewing michael bay and i guess this is around the time of transformers 3 and uh and will smith comes showing up and he was just like uh yeah yeah that's my boy michael bay he goes you know i had just shown Jaden the beginning of bad boys 2 and i said nobody opens up a film like bad boys 2 like the way that michael bay opens it up and he's like yeah man i got a concept for bad boys 3 but uh, oh no man I, I can't throw it at you here there's too many cameras rolling around and then they just kind of smiled and just laughed and hugged each other and stuff and and as far as i know of both of them martin lawrence and will smith are are definitely in the want to do a bad boys 3 i know that there's a crap load of money that would be involved of course but uh it sounds like it's on the horizon for 2015 so and man this is that that would be so awesome i would have to say though as far as like cop series go it's got to be number one lethal weapon number two beverly hills cop and number three bad boys i mean hands down it's just it's got to be that way for me so so let's get into some of the good old uh, plot stuff of the film. And then we'll get into all the stuff that I really, really like in this film. And then some of the stuff that I, that I didn't like. So Martin Lawrence, uh, the name of his guy is uh, Marcus Burnett. And then we have Mike's, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Mike Smith. We have Will Smith who plays Mike Lowry. Uh, they're both best friends. Uh, they've been best friends for you know since they've been kids. Uh, they've been partners for about like six years. So they're detectives in the narcotics division of the Miami-Dade Police Department. And I, I'm familiar with that from watching CSI Miami. Now, one night, there's like this $100 million worth of heroin that actually gets stolen from this secure police vault. Now, um, it's a major blow to to Will Smith, to Martin Lawrence, to, to Marcus and Mike. Uh, because it was actually the biggest bust of their career. Now, of course, Internal Affairs, which is played by the ever so lovely 
uh, girl from CSI, uh, uh, Marge Hallenberger. Uh, she plays uh, Captain Allison Sinclair, and uh, she she thinks it's an inside job, and she she's warning the the Miami PD that uh, if they don't recover the drugs in five days, that their narcotics division is going to be shut down. So of course the the bad boys they're on a you know they're on a timeline which is pretty cool I like movies that have a timeline it makes it more you know more entertaining more like you know cut down to the wire we got crap we got to do kind of thing which is pretty sweet so what happens is is that uh, there is this uh, former cop named Eddie Dominguez uh, he was uh, actually. Uh, the guy that got them inside, you know, he was the cop on the inside. He got fired, but he was the cop that got him on the inside. So he's found dead at this suite at the Bill, uh, the Biltmore Hotel. Uh, he's actually shot by, of course, his boss, which is the 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 main bad guy is this French drug kingpin. His name's uh, Farouk. Uh, and uh, he also kills, uh, which is, uh, she's an escort, but she's really a friend of, uh, Mike, which her name is Maxine or AKA Max. Uh, and she was actually hired by Eddie. Um, and of course Mike will take this personally when he finds out what happened to her, but it's revealed that she also, uh, you know, she's one of Mike's ex-girlfriends, uh, but just he's also she's also one of his major informants. So he, uh, you know, she's he asked her just to kind of look around and see if there's any dudes that have a crap load of drugs. So that way uh, she can inform back to him and then Mike will be able to find his drugs in case close. But that's when things don't go well and she gets killed. Now, there is actually a witness to the crime that sees what happens to to Max, uh, and the name of this person is Julie, which is played by Tia Lanoni. Now, funny thing with this girl, um, first time I watched this film, I really didn't like her too much, but when I watched Deep Impact, I flip and fell in love with her. She's my favorite character from Deep Impact. Now, watching this movie again, I definitely had a new appreciation for her character, and I definitely enjoyed her more watching it for this movie, which the first time around, I was just like, ugh, I could kind of deal without her. But uh, now I think she's cool. I can deal with it. And, of course, she um, she, she she watched the crime because they're in the, the quote-unquote Al Capone suite. And she was in the upper balcony when this took place because she was going to take a leak, you know, powder up because she didn't want to, you know, do any escort kind of stuff. And then, of course, that's when she witnesses and they go after her and they find out that, uh, that, she, that she lived because she jumps into this humongous swimming pool, which is pretty cool. Now, the funny thing of this story happens when uh, she's never actually met Mike, but uh, Max talks about Mike, like how smooth and cool he is and stuff like that. So she immediately uh, only wants to trust and deal with Mike. However, uh, Mike is away when... uh, when she actually contacts the police about the murders because he went to go investigate, uh, you know, the, the place where Max works at the, uh, at the escort place. So, uh, now the captain, I love this guy. His name is captain Conrad Howard played by uh, Joe, uh, Pantaline. Uh, God, I can never say this guy's name. It's Panalino, I want to say. Now, this guy, you're really going to know him from a lot of different movies, okay? Uh, man, this guy is so famous. He was in The Goonies. 
uh, you know, he's one of the main bad guys. Uh, he's in The Sopranos. He was in The Matrix. He was Cypher in The Matrix. He was Teddy in Memento. He was uh, in the U.S. Marshall film. Uh, he played uh, Renfro. He was in. Um, he was also. Oh uh, man, what else? Uh, La Bamba. You know, that's probably the biggest movie that I know him from when I saw him in. Uh, he was the manager of La Bamba, but a lot of people will know him from the Goonies and maybe Risky Business, uh, if you will. So this guy, I mean, he is definitely hilarious. Uh, he is just so flippant good. So good. Uh, I mean, he definitely steals the show whenever this guy is on screen. So the captain, real funny guy, I mean, he's the one that told him that they only have so many days to to find this. He actually forces uh, Marcus to impersonate Mike to get Julie to cooperate when she calls because Mike actually isn't there, but she'll only talk to Mike. So he forces uh, Marcus to impersonate him. It's just like, you'll never see your wife for a month. I mean, it was just so funny. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But uh, so, in order to continue the deception, uh, Marcus and Lowry they have to switch lives. Uh, Marcus tells his family that he's going to Cleveland for a case, so that way Mike will stay with them. Uh, Burnett then moves to uh, Mike's apartment with Julie and her dogs. Uh, that way, he can she can do the in home. Uh, police protection so uh and then marcus poses as lowry the whole time while mike poses as burnett but he's only supposed to do it in front of her otherwise he gets to just be mike so as the captain says you be you but not in front of her you're you and and you're you but you're him in front of her i mean it's just it's hilarious i mean you kind of get the concept here it's just it's good stuff now the investigation proceeds with uh, with Mike and, and Marcus calling uh, into their old uh, informants. Uh, one of them is this guy named Jojo, and he's uh, a former chemist who now works at this tire store. Uh, and Julie actually will identify one of Max's killers. This guy's name is Noah. Uh, while looking through a bunch of mug shots. And uh, the two cops, uh, Mike and, and Marcus, they head to this uh, they, this club. It's called Club Hell, where one of uh, it's one of his hangouts. Basically, is why they go to this place. So when they show up there, um, Julie actually has followed them. You know, they didn't know that, but Julie has has followed them because she's eager to dish out some revenge. You know, she wants to basically kill this guy. Now, her presence, of course, is known by the criminals just hanging out on top of the, in like their little, I don't know, their little room. Uh, and it results in uh, Noah, of course, goes fl- goes fleeting away. And uh, then there's like this brief fight and car chase and Noah actually gets killed. So the incident, of course, is caught on camera by a news helicopter and then is uh, later reported uh, where Marcus's family sees this and, and just a whole bunch of things start to crash down. So Mike and Marcus, they decide that they're going to visit Jojo again, but this time they're pissed off. So after, you know, the, I mean, they do the good cop, bad cop routine, but Mike is like, he pulls a gun on Marcus, he pulls a gun on Jojo, and he's just like, I'm going to... I'm going to blow your brains out. And Marcus does this real funny gag about, no, Jojo, tell him more. Tell him more. There's got to be more guys. No, Jojo, I can't help you. 
know, you know, it's just this is real hilarious scene. And Jojo then actually tells them the location of the chemist who was cutting all of the stolen drugs. So after they stake out the house, they follow him to where um, the main French guy is hiding all the drugs for it. Uh, I guess is I don't know. They they don't really say his name too much. I want to say his name's. Uh, uh, Fruet, but if I'm getting it wrong, I'm getting it wrong. Who cares? Anyways, he's just the French bad guy, okay? So let's just call him the French bad guy. So they return to Mike's apartment uh, with Julie uh, where they're going to like load up, get ready to go to take out these guys. But, of course, Marcus's wife shows up, blows their cover, which causes Julie to run because Julie's kind of suspected the whole time that Marcus wasn't Mike. And especially when she meets Mike, she realizes, I thought you were supposed to be, I thought Mark, Mike was supposed to be the smooth one. So Julie kind of, she's not devastatedly surprised when she finds out that the little guy, which would be Marcus, is actually uh, Marcus. So she's not, she's not completely surprised whatsoever. So she, you know, knowing that the wife showed up, she's just going to take her chances and she's going to just blow town uh, and just run. But, of course, the French guy and his gang arrive at Mike's apartment and they blow the place up. And there's just this really cool action sequence because they they kidnap Julie and then uh, they get away. Now, Eternal Affairs, uh, they, they got what they needed. They reassign all the members of the narcotics division. They shut them down. And Captain Howard, what he does is he delays the order. He's like, you know, you got four hours he's like i don't care i don't care what she says we got four they gave us four hours you got two kind of thing to to close this case to get the drugs back and of course to rescue julie so mike and uh mike and marcus and there's actually two other members of the miami pd sanchez and Ru, uh ruiz uh real funny guys i'll get into their details in just a little bit here uh they organize this plan to stop the criminals from killing julie and selling all the drugs that they have so of course we get a big final shootout uh erupts between the group of cops and the drug dealers there's they're at this like abandoned airfield so Marcus is uh, actually shot in the leg uh, while trying to save Julie from the French guy. And then, of course, the French guy shoots Mike while escaping from the building, which is now on fire. Uh, he actually gets rescued by Marcus and Julie, uh, who they actually left to go get the car. And uh, and Mike has this really sweet uh, Porsche. It's a 911 Turbo. And they go up against the good old Ford, uh, Ford Shelby Cobra. It's the AC 427 edition. Uh, which is pretty cool. So there's a really good race, and of course Mike's been ragging on Marcus the whole movie about how you drive slower than Miss, you drive slow enough to drive Miss Daisy, and then Marcus is just driving fast. It's really good stuff. So uh, Marcus actually bumps uh, bumps the French guy off the road. He crashes, uh, but he does escape the wreckage. Now attempting to run, uh, he actually gets shot in the leg by Mike. And then knowing that he's been beaten, he tries to convince Mike into killing him, which he almost does as, you know, a revenge of killing Max. But Marcus, you know, prevents him from doing it. Now, while on the ground and they kind of walk away, Mike sees a reflection on Marcus's face that the French guy is going to kill him. But Mike turns around and just pops a couple of clips into him and the dude's dead. Uh, now, at the end of the film, Marcus and Mike... 
they they profess their their platonic love for one another. Uh, you know, they love each other dearly, not queerly, of course. After uh, after they they realize that they've survived the gunfight. Now, Marcus actually uh, handcuffs Mike and Julie together because he's like, "You wanted Mike Lowry. Well, now you get some Mike Lowry. I'm going to go home and get some quality time with the wife because he's never the whole. There's this running gag about quality time with the wife, which the quality time with the wife is being alone with the wife. If you know what I'm saying." And he just isn't getting any. So uh, it's just real funny. And then, of course, the end of it is Julie and Mike wandering off, wandering off to, to find keys to the other handcuffs. And we get the good old Bad Boys song playing at the end. So uh, overall, I mean, this movie had a budget of like $19 million. Uh, Worldwide, it made $141 million. So obviously, it made a crap load of money. Uh, the movie's about 118 minutes long. So almost exactly two hours long. Man, so many good things happen in this. I mean, first off, let's get this out of the way. I mean, the F word is probably said about a good 456 times and maybe 150 of it are like in the first 10 minutes. I mean, this movie's ridiculously over the top with the F-bomb. But hey, that's just the way these guys are. It's called Bad Boys. So I love in the beginning, the movie starts off, you get the Porsche riding and Mike is just, you know, he's driving and Marcus is eating his burger and uh, he's like, you know, don't deny me. You know, Mike tells him to stop eating a burger. Don't deny me this. I'm not getting any. I'm not getting any at home. You know, let me have this. And he's just like, you're married. And he goes, exactly. I'm married. I'm married means you sleep together, but you ain't getting none. And us married men know that sometimes when you have kids, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? So I can totally relate with that funny statement. It's hilarious. Now, I love the fact that when they start talking about where's your cup holder, he goes, there ain't no cup holder. He's like an thousand dollar car and you ain't got no cup holder and he goes it's 120 and then he just starts to talk about you know other crap and then mark is just like yeah and he starts to describe the car as basically a humongous penis and that the two of them are basically the nutsack which is absolutely hilarious i mean that tells you right off the bat the kind of dialogue that these guys are going to have throughout the rest of the film which is you know I mean, either you're gonna, you're really gonna respond to the beginning of this, or you're not. Now, I really, really love the whole um, carjacking. Oh man, it is just so good because they get this girl uh, get out of the car with like her skirt all the way up to her hoo ha, and uh, of course the Mike has to take a look at her legs as she's bending over, and then this bad guy, which is the bad guy from the Last Boy Scout. Uh, who was told that if you touch me again, I'll kill you. And then uh, Bruce Willis shoves his nose up his brain. That's the same guy that tries to carjack these two. Now, Marcus and Mike have this really funny thing where if they're in a predicament, they start to yell at each other, uh, like rip on each other. So it throws the person off. So that way they can go against them at the end. So, you know, Mike says, let me tell you how bad your day has been. You're jacking a bunch of cops, uh, you know, and uh, and Marcus starts to refer to himself as Wesley Snipes in Passenger 57 after he takes on like this big guy. He's like, why do I always got to get the big mother effers and stuff like that? So after uh, Marcus throws like the soda in this dude's head and then kicks him in the nuts and and just Will Smith makes the best line ever where he's like, let's hear one of your jokes now, B. And then it says bad boys. It's like, oh, it's so good, man. That's that's an awesome way to open up the film with your two main bag, your two dudes just going off on each other, taking out the bad guys. I just love the beginning of this. It's so wrong, but it's so right at the same time. It's good stuff. 
So when we get introduced to the French guy, uh, he's definitely, definitely a bad guy because you, you know, the first time you see him, you see him blow away a cop. You know, there's this cop that uh, they make you think he's a cop, but really he is just like an impersonation of a cop. But the first thing you do is you see him shoot the guy and he falls out of the truck that they're going to use to go steal the drugs in the next scene. But I mean, immediately when you see this guy, you see him kill a cop. So, I mean, you don't know right away that the guy really isn't a cop. But the fact of at the time you think he's a cop really tells you, okay, the kind of guy that you're going to be dealing with in this film. And in a movie called Bad Boys, and your your two main guys are like the kind of guys that kind of go, they're definitely on the gray side of the law. They're not on the black side and they're not on the white side. They're, they're on the gray side of how they're going to do things. You know, as the captain always says, do what you do, but do it better or do it faster. So the captain knows that these guys are the best, but they, they do things differently than the law permits. So, of course, you got to have a bad guy that uh, is going to be able to match up to your bad boys. So they do a good job of that by killing a cop in the, in the first scene that you see this guy in. Now, one of the things I love is when Martin Lawrence, uh, Marcus, is uh, when you see him with his family and his kid just says, Dad, people make fun of me because I got big ears. And he goes, yeah, I got big ears too, but that's just so you can hear better. You know, these are your wings. And he goes, and and then I'll go arrest the principal, you know. You get to see Marcus as the family man. Really the only scene in the film where you really get to see Marcus be the family man because the rest of the film he's going to be playing Lowry instead. So I do like the fact of you get to see Marcus with with his babies and stuff. Uh, And, you know, and right in the beginning he talks about having the quality time with the baby, with his woman. When when she wakes up and uh, they start to talk about, you know, they start to talk about sex and he goes, well... You've been talking about the quality. Uh, I sure got the time and you damn sure have the quality. And she goes, no, baby, not today. You got to keep it in your pants. And she goes, you're just going to leave me here. That's cold. He goes, yeah, baby. You know, we got three. We got kids coming in. Of course they do. So even if he tried to get busy with his woman, it wouldn't happen because the kids broke in right away. You know, just saying. So I really like when Mike walks in their house and uh, and the kids are just like, Mike, did you have a date last night? And he goes, boy, did I have a date? Mm. And then, of course, he kisses uh, Lowry's wa- or Marcus's wife and she goes, don't kiss me, Mike. I don't know where your lips have been. Now, the wife of Marcus, I really, really enjoy her. I mean, she's played by Teresa Burnett, uh, which, uh, well, I should say her name is Teresa in the film. But she's actually in real life named Teresa Randall. Now, you'll probably know her in a lot of different things. Uh, For example, she was in Spike Lee's Jungle Fever. Uh, She does make an appearance again in Bad Boys 2, which is flipping awesome. Uh, She was actually in Beverly Hills Cop 3. She was uh, the girl that uh, uh, Eddie Murphy was interested in. So it's pretty cool. We get her coming back. And then, of course, she was uh, in Space Jam. Uh, I think she played Michael Jordan's wife. I can't remember. And then she was also in Spawn. Uh, so a lot of good films, but she is definitely solid in this film. She's good stuff, man. Good good times in this film. Now, when we see Allison, uh, which Allison is uh, is the Captain Allison, 
uh, the lady from CSI. She looks so different. You know, I, I would say she's younger than she was when she started uh, CSI, but she's definitely supposed to be the queen bee of the of the movie. Uh, does a real good job. She's only really in two scenes, but she definitely gets her point across. And when we get introduced to the captain, this guy, man, he's just so flipping good. I mean, one of my all-time favorite parts of him is when he's playing basketball, uh, which I'll get to that in just a little bit. But he just he's always smoking the cigars. Uh, he's just got the really good one-liners. You know, the first time that you actually uh, hear him is when uh, after Mike is, you know, kissed uh, Teresa and uh, and trying to get Marcus to get ready to go. And, and he calls and he and you hear on the other end, you hear him screaming. He's like, uh, I think you mean get your asses here now, please, Captain. He's like, get here now, you know, and and that's when uh, you get introduced to the uh, the other two cops. Uh, in the film, Sanchez and uh, Ruiz, I mean, th- right off the bat, they're like, hey, why don't you call your cousins and, and just bring the stuff back? You know, and they're like, oh, that's cold. Yeah, I like your mama's bed. I mean, they, they, that's the kind of relationship they have. You know, there's a bunch of friends that you have where uh, you get like I know I had some friends in Chicago where we would only talk trash to one another. It was always in love, but it was always trash talking. So that's kind of how these guys relationship is. Now, uh, one of the detective, one of the guys uh, is pretty. You you probably know him in a lot of different uh, a lot of different stuff. And that guy would be uh, Nestor Serrano. I know him from the day after tomorrow. He's actually the guy that was the the guy next to uh, Dennis Quaid. Uh, you know, trying to tell the president that you know they need to uh, to listen to him. Um, he was in like the Money Pit. Uh, he was in a couple different movies. Uh, but uh, the most recent though that. Oh, he was also in Lethal Weapon too. But the most recent I remember him in was The Day After Tomorrow. But he's definitely, uh, he's definitely funny in this film, and I, d- I love the chemistry between all four of those guys. It was done very well, and I love what the captain says when those two guys leave. He's like, you know, it's it's political. Somebody's going down for this, and it's gonna be us. So we have a deadline. So the captain really sets the standard for the rest of the film that we are on a, we are on a very limited time frame and, uh, and we're going to go down for it. And I really like that aspect of the captain right away is just putting you in your place of where you're going to be throughout the rest of the film. Uh, the captain is uh, most, I mean, without Will, I would say he is the highlight of the film after you get the highlights of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. No doubt about it. So the scene where they go to see Max, uh, this is where they're playing Shy Guy, uh, the famous song from the film. And I really like the whole workout. Uh, you see a bunch of the people working out. I really like when Marcus is trying to lift the weights. Uh, he, of course, he can't do it because you know he's a lot smaller than Will Smith. I'm sure he can. He holds his own, as you see throughout the film, but he's not as big as Will Smith is. And Will Smith, I mean, he's not no uh, you know humongous body built guy, but he's definitely fit. For, you know, I mean, I would definitely want to look as fit as Will Smith does. But Martin Lawrence is just kind of a smaller version of that. So I really like when they're weightlifting. This whole scene is just really good uh, of the music playing and just kind of getting you pumped up for what's going to be happening in the next couple scenes. Now, my favorite line of this whole entire film is when they go to uh, they go to the house. Uh, they go to this like this house and they open the door and they're like, Hello, don't be alarmed. We're Negroes. And then Marcus is like, man, you you can't say that. You got to sound more white. He goes, 
We were wondering if we could borrow a cup of brown sugar. Oh man, it was so good. I was, I no matter what, I can watch this movie like ten or twenty times in a row, and that same scene, I just I laugh as hard as I do the first time I saw it. I just love it. It's just so good. I mean, it's so wrong, but it's so right at the same time. And uh, I I like when they see the dead body. Of course, Marcus, uh, you don't see him get sick, but they they really play on that in part two, which I'll get into that uh, in the next episode. But uh, Marcus doesn't get sick when he sees the dead body. But I really like that Mike doesn't. It doesn't phase Mike. And when they when they leave the house, he's like, hey, how about we get some burritos? I mean, it was some good stuff. Now, the first real emotional scene, I guess you could say, uh, and it, I mean, it was emotional to a point is when uh, Marcus and Mike are just talking about how uh, if we all go down, you know, it's okay because you're Mike Lowry, you, you're rich, you know, and you're just playing cop. And then you really get to see Mike get upset that, you know what, I'm the first one in, I'm the last one to leave. So F you, F them and F everybody else, you know, because I, I love this thing. And then, of course, you uh, see Marcus say, I love you, man. And he's like, F you, Marcus. He goes, no, man, I love you. We're bad boys. And they go, bad boys, bad boys. And then, of course, you know, that's what you see in the trailer. So I I just love that scene because immediately it's tension. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we're jamming together. Uh, Man, it's good stuff. But uh, I just like seeing Will Smith just get all mad. It's always good times when he gets mad. Love it. So we get our first slow motion scene of the film and that's when max is killed now the first time i saw this and this is when um the french guy shoots her uh in the back with the pillow and you see her scream in slow motion and then when she falls it's going to slow motion but it's almost it's michael bay's slow motion is awesome you know and of course if you don't know what i'm talking about hello transformers there's so much slow motion that's fast at the same time but we're not talking slow motion like matrix style so I really dig. I mean, this is my first time seeing this kind of stuff. I still love it. I'm still a sucker for it. Uh, I will always say that Michael Bay does excellent slow motion fast work. You can debate me all you want on that. That's cool. Uh, I'm sure you'll have valid points. But for me, I like Michael Bay's style of directing. Now, granted, I admit that his uh, his action has been over his story but in this film i think he was very balanced out well he did a lot of great action and and as far as the story goes i mean it's a mediocre uh cop story but it's the chemistry between uh martin lawrence and will smith that make this film i mean even michael bay admits that the script sucked so that's why he wanted as much uh, improvisation as possible to help make things better and i think it really worked well so we'll talk about if it worked well in the sequel uh, as much as it does in the first one. Now, the basketball scene I was talking about with the captain, uh, that's when, uh, you know, this is when Mike has been uh, injured, uh, and then, you know, Marcus has Julie, and he's officially put her in uh, in the hideout. Uh, they go to see the captain, and Mike is still holding his head because he got hit in the back of his head. And that's when you see the captain playing basketball with the scar in his mouth, and he goes, um, did you hear what I said? I think I know what I said because I was there when I was standing. Did you hear what I said? And then he just starts to go off, and he starts missing all the baskets, and uh and and he that's when he talks about how you you left our only effing witness alone and that's when we get the whole rest of the story how uh, they have to play each other marcus has to be mike and mike has to be marcus and i love what he says where he goes you be you but not in front of her you're you 
and you're you, but you're, yeah. I mean, it's just, I can't actually say how he said it because he did it so good. It was just, it made sense the way he says it, but you get the idea where he's saying, he's pointing to one saying, you're him, but you're you, but you be him in front of her. You know, that, that kind of thing. Good stuff. Now, one funny scene between Marcus and Teresa is when he's on the phone saying, hey, baby, you know, I know I talked about quality time, but he's got the other guy on the phone trying to get information. And uh, he goes, you know what? Screw screw you. And Teresa's like, who you screw it? He goes, no, nah, baby, that's just the term you say. You just say screw you. She goes, you ain't screwing nothing. And then she hangs up on him and then he slams the phone. Oh, it's some, I mean, at this point, I mean, Teresa and Marcus, they just start fighting throughout the rest of this film. It just oh, it gets so good. Now, I love the captain when he's just telling Marcus to be Mike when Julie calls and, and Mike's not there. He goes, you be Mike. Uh, and Mark's like, man, I want to do that. He goes, just be Mike. He goes, this is Mike. Larry. He goes, you don't sound sexy. He sounds sexy. He goes, Captain, leave me alone. And then when Marcus doesn't want to go along with the plan after he gets off the phone, he goes, you won't see your wife for a month. Get out of the chair. And I love it when Marcus shows up at Julie's house and uh, she's trying to find out if he's really Mike Lowry and he's like you never even met him I mean me and they start to fight because she hits him with the baseball bat and uh I love the shootout when the guys come in and you see the little dog uh running away and and Marcus has to go chase after the dog uh it was just so funny now uh there's this guy named Chet uh who is like the the guy at the counter of where uh, Mike lives, uh, he kind of accuses Marcus of cheating. He's like, "How's your wife? You know, how's your kids?" And uh, you know, Marcus trying to say it doesn't look like it doesn't look like uh, the way it does. He goes, "Yeah, sure," uh, but then he kind of explains to him that she's a material witness, and you got to you know you, you got to watch over. And he's like, "Yeah, sure, you know, I'll be the deputy." And and Chet's kind of funny. He's not really in it a whole lot, but he's uh, he's kind of comic relief, but he's not an annoying comic relief, which I really enjoy from him and then uh when marcus goes back home and tries to explain about uh she's like you smell like perfume and you don't even have your wedding ring on i mean she's already starting to suspect that he's cheating and he's like can i get a pillow because you know that she threw him out so uh i mean his relationship is definitely going down the hill uh at this point in the in the movie now, of course, anybody who uh, knew who Power Rangers was, when he tries to explain to Mike that, you know, he had a horrible night, he goes, I had to sleep on the couch and I had a Power Ranger up my ass. And then he, uh, of course, Mike starts to yell at him about how, oh, your life is just great. He goes, you, you, I can't stand the zoo at your house with your family and your kids. He goes, don't you call my, my house a zoo? And he's like, are you wearing my silk shirt? Well, I figure if I got to be like Mike Lowry, I got to dress like him too. I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Oh, it was so funny. Now, my favorite part from the French guy uh, is there's only funny line. When uh, he's talking to the chemist and the chemist is trying to explain to him about how the drugs are working. And he goes, I'm not a chemistry teacher, you idiot. <laughs> uh, you just, you got to know this scene. But he's like, you idiot. And just the way he says it is just so funny. I, he tries to be all serious and tough. But the way he says idiot just makes me laugh hysterically. I just, I love the way he goes. I know I'm not a chemistry teacher, you idiot. It's oh, so funny. 
Now, Julie calls out Marcus and basically says he's gay because, she, uh, you know, she's lotioning up her legs. Marcus is very uncomfortable, uh, which Julie – that's when really Julie starts to suspect that he's not Mike Lowry because she's kind of, uh, you know, she's not naked but she's kind of half naked and he doesn't really want to see her. And he talks about – or she talks about how there's pictures of, of uh, Mike all around and he's like, oh, yeah, that's my partner, uh, Marcus. You know, I – no – uh, we're not gay. It's just that's for every time you saved my life. You you slept in the bed, right? You felt all those bumps. That's for me getting down, you know. So I, I really like how she starts to think that he's gay. Uh, you really start to see that she suspects that this is kind of a joke and that uh, he's not really Mike. But she can't really prove it just yet. Now, of course, the classic scene between those two is when they're going through the mug shots and, my, and Marcus is eating a sandwich and she goes, I don't eat flesh. He goes, what do you mean flesh? And he's like, well, it's bologna. And that's when she starts to explain what's all in the bologna about the different body parts. And then he starts to get grossed out. Thanks to you, I'll never eat a sandwich again. He goes, can I eat a pickle? She goes, yeah, you can eat a pickle. It's got a lot of salt on it. So then he sticks the pickle in like his soda. He's like, see, I don't even taste the salt. I mean, it's just that, that I, I don't know if that was improvised, but if it was, it was flipping awesome. And then meanwhile, they flip over to Mike being over at Marcus's house. And you see uh, Mike telling his kids a bunch of cop stories. And the funniest line is when he's like, yeah, and there was a bunch of hoes there. And he goes, oh, then, yeah, you can ask your dad what hoes are. And then all of a sudden, the camera cuts back to to Marcus going back to looking at, at, uh, at Mugshot. So I like how Mike plays with Marcus when uh, he knows Marcus is just uptight about uh, having to stay at his house with Julie and uh, and Teresa calls him up and uh, is like yeah how are the kids doing how's the potty train going and when she hangs up he starts to mess with uh, Marcus by saying why don't you go get a movie then he pauses and then he's like what you wearing and then she's like give me the phone give me the phone and then he's like I'm just playing I'm just playing she hung up I'm just playing so good chemistry there now when Mike actually finds out about the fact that uh, Teresa has dogs, Mike talks about how, man, if that was my place, I'd be pissed. And of course, you get to see the guilty look on his face, of course. Uh, Marcus, that is, about how, yeah, sorry that there's dogs all over that kind of jacked up your carpet and uh, dogs all over your furniture. It's just a real good, funny scene. Now, there's a running gag throughout this where uh, Marcus or Mike always tells Marcus that there's something wrong with him. Uh, he's like, you know, anytime he does something stupid, he's like, you know, there's something wrong with you, especially when one of uh, Mike's girlfriends shows up because Mike has a lot of girlfriends and, uh, and she was like almost naked and Marcus throws her out because uh, Julie's there and he's got to make her look like uh, she's stalking him. And he goes, you threw a vet out? He goes, yeah, she was half naked. And uh, he's like, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> good, good stuff. Now, my second favorite scene of the whole film is the uh, is the, the convenience store scene. Oh, so flipping good. So uh, this, this guy, this clerk, uh, you know, he sees that Mike has a gun and he pulls out his gun. And uh, again, as I said, this is all improvised. But he's like, freeze, mother bees. And then he's like, oh, crap. And then... Uh, <laughs> The funny thing is, he goes, I blow you 
and then I blow you. <laughs> and then Marcus is like, what? No, you don't blow me. And because, uh, you know, he's got broken English, you know, so it makes funny. Instead of I'm going to blow you away, he's like, I blow you, I blow you. And then that's when they pull, they start their fight again. You know, that's what they do when they're in, they're just like in the beginning. They start to throw, you like, you want to throw down, you want to throw down. And the guy doesn't know what gun to put at and Julie's going crazy. And that's when they point the gun at his face. And, and this looks like a 3D moment. Like if the film was in 3D, the guns would be coming out of the screen. And it's like, you freeze, B. He goes, now back up and then get me some fruity bubblicious and some skittles oh man it's so good oh i love it it's like oh man i i would have to say it's a toss-up between uh don't you know don't be alarmed or negroes that scene or this scene are the two best scenes in the whole entire film it's a toss-up because they both go hand in hand i guess it just depends on whatever your mood is but man it's so good i, I just love it i mean that's that scene is why these two work so good together now, the scene that you really tell that Julie is starting to catch on the fact of Marcus is not Mike is when, uh, you know, she's laying in bed like, oh, how the gunfight. Doesn't it make you feel funny? No, not that kind of funny. I mean, funny. And then he starts to get all nervous and she starts to say, yeah, a guy like Marcus, I don't know how he keeps his, you know, his wife has just got to love him. You know, like she starts to say how like sexy he is and how, you know, they got to be doing it right now. And then, of course, Marcus takes off and then she just has that smile like, yep, I knew I knew it was him. And then he calls the phone. And of course, uh, Mike and Teresa are looking at pictures of Marcus. But when he when he calls and they pick up the phone, that's when you get like the sexual undertone talk about, oh, put it back in. Marcus will kill us if he finds out because it's. Because the picture fell out of the book and she wants him to put the picture back in. And of course he thinks that Mike is cheating on Teresa. So you get a real funny scene of uh, of him trying to investigate. He's like, yeah, I can't get no quality time with my wife. But, but Mike, he can get some quality time. And then you get the good fight between them. And I love how Mike sticks his head underwater. And he's like, man, I've been your partner for six years. But I've been your boy all my life. How could you even think that? So it's really good kind of another emotional scene where you know they get serious and they're just like look you know we've been boys forever how could you even think that i would even want to you know i would ever do that to you You know he's like man i'm sorry man i'm just so i'm just so messed up so i really really love that scene just for the fact of how uh yeah it was funny but it got serious how like i'm your boy i would never do that to you i'd never backstab you and sleep with your woman good stuff i really 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 enjoy that scene so the scene where Teresa bust uh, you know, walk, knocks on the door, Julie opens, and she's like, hi, I'm here to kill my husband. And she's like, the tall one or the short one? She's like, the short one. She goes, I thought so. Uh, this scene is really good. I, my only problem with this scene is I really wish that Marcus would have just came out and told the truth. This is this was just kind of stupid. Just I, I get the fact of he was busted. And I get the fact of that, you know, he's nervous. But... The more he lies, the more she's thinking that he is cheating on her. And uh, she just uh, he just doesn't want to come out with the fact and just say, look, 
I know it looks bad. You saw me on TV. But the reason why is because she's in protective custody. If he would have just came out and flat out told her, this scene would have worked better for me. I just, I don't like this scene. It's the only weak scene of the film for me, really, where he just keeps doing more lie over or more lie. And it was supposed to be more, it was supposed to be funny. Like, I know you see Mike, he half butt naked. And then you see the white girl. You know, it was supposed to be funny, but I just didn't like the scene. I just wish it would have been different. Uh, I mean, I guess in a way it pays off because when the bad guys show up, she's just like, I love you, Marcus. And he's like, here, take the gun, take the gun. And she starts crying and she tells him that she loves him. And then they go off and they do the chase scene, which I love the chase scene. That's where, you know, they're taking Julie and you see Mike just going through building through building and they do real close up shots and then they do real far away shots and uh, I really, and of course, there's a lot of slow motion scenes. I, this is kind of in the trailer where you see Will Smith uh, running real slow, uh, but it looks, you know, but of course it's the it's the Michael Bay slow motion, and it looks really really good. And I I love when he saves Marcus from being hit by the car, and both their heads come up in slow motion, and then they do like the, it's like the money shot where they do like a 360 around their faces. And then he says, don't ever say I wasn't there for you. I just, I love that scene. It looks so good. Now, uh, another great scene is uh, where they have this computer hacker trying to hack in if, to get the information. And I guess, I don't know if this guy is really a basketball player or he was a basketball announcer. But anyway, this guy is like really tall. I mean, he's got to be like maybe 6'5", six, 6'6". So, you know, he's got these real big, thick glasses on. So you really can't see his eyes. His eyes are just supposed to kind of, uh, you know, be kind of magnified almost, but uh, where you can't see him. So he's like, they're trying to say that if he helps him, if, if he helps them hack, that he'll get to go free. And then Marcus says something smart to him and he stands up. And I mean, you just see him just go completely over. And Marcus... Being the funny guy, he's like, you sit your linky ass down. I will knock you the F out. He goes, <laughs> and and the guy, he kind of takes him serious. And, you know, you would know that this guy would totally kill Marcus in a heartbeat. But I think it's because he knows Marcus is a cop that he'll, he actually sits back down. But I thought it was a real, actually, I thought it was really funny. It was good stuff. Now, one serious scene I really enjoy are the two cops that they always, you know, joke around with, uh, you know, Sanchez and Ruiz. Uh, when they just kind of say, "Hey, this crap could get you killed," and they just they just look at them, and they and then those two look at them. They don't say nothing, and they just kind of look at each other and like we're in. You know, it was really good moment. All they had to say is, is that, "Hey, this stuff could get you killed," and it's just. It was just what they needed to say, yeah, let's do it. So the two lines that are really good uh, at, at the big finale, you know, the big gunfight between the, the good guys and the bad guys and they're blowing stuff up is uh, when Mike says, my S works, uh, he says, my S always works sometimes. And then, of course, Marcus says, you forgot your boarding pass and then blows up the guy and you see him flying from the uh from the plane but it's a really good action sequence i mean of course michael bay i mean he's he does really good action stuff but uh they're not you know just a lot of gunfight not really a whole lot of one-liners going on there but of course the best though is when uh after they get shot and then uh marcus picks up mike and they get out and they're driving and uh, he's like 
you know, when did you learn how to that getting shot in the leg has improved your driving skills? And then Marcus starts to read the the rights. He goes, "You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say." And he's like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm getting it out of the way early." And then you get a really good uh, fight. You know, a really good driving scene. Uh, and I think this is really where the camera was really shaky was during this uh during this scene when will smith starts to he starts to get real intense and he, his head shaking and he goes you can do it my car's faster my car's faster and and uh, this whole sequence here for about a good 30 to 40 seconds uh and then of course he gets hit and he wipes out that the camera is real shaky unfortunately uh but after the Porsche wins, he goes, that's how you drive. Next time you drive, that's how you drive. And then we get the good, uh, you know, the good finale. You know, the one that Michael Bay and Will Smith fought over was the whole, you know, I, I love you too, man. Uh, it was really good because Marcus is just like, I love you, man. And you just see Will Smith looking straight eyes like, I love you too. And then Martin Lawrence just looks up to him, looks at him like, oh, I can't believe you said it. He goes, yeah, I said that, S, man. You know, kind of like, yeah, it's no big deal. I said it. It's true. We survived. So uh, really, that's uh, th- that's a lot of my favorite scenes. I would say like the stuff that I really didn't like was really that scene between Teresa and, uh, you know, uh, the whole like trying to he should have just came out and told her. But it, and it's very minor. Of course, it really doesn't uh, hurt anything. There wasn't really a lot of things I had problems with. I mean, I could see that this film, uh, some people would have problems with, especially with like the language and, and, and things like that. I would say it's a film that's not for everybody, but if you are, if you are a fan of, uh, the big cop films like lethal weapon and, uh, and Beverly Hills cop, I think you would really, really enjoy this film. As far as my rating goes, I think I would give it a very strong four stars, probably a week, four and a half. Uh, just overall, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I, I kind of had problems with Julie. And now I really I really like her character and I really like Tia Lanoni. So uh, I've, I've come to enjoy part, uh, part one a lot. Uh, I've always found myself enjoying part two over part one. And I know there's a lot of hatred for part two. So I, I'm very excited to see. I haven't seen part two in a very long time just to watch it. Uh, you know, now that I've seen part one and just kind of revisit it to see, uh, to kind of see why people hate it. Do I enjoy part two over part one? Uh, there's a couple things that I really, really enjoy immediately in part two that, uh, that is better than part one. I think there could be a few things. I think there's a few things that may have failed, but I'll, I'll reinvest, you know, I'll get into that when I review part two, but overall I give it a very strong four stars week four and a half. So that's what I got for my review of bad boys. Let's hear what the STL nation had to say. Right. The first one I want to read is the iTunes review. Now, on the Return to Oz episode, I mentioned that I got this iTunes review, but I didn't want to read it on the Return to Oz episode just because I knew a lot of people probably were not going to download that episode or didn't really know of that movie, but I know more people were probably going to listen to this one. So uh, it comes from, um, on iTunes, it says Professor X1, but I know that it comes from Ivan uh, from uh, from the 
uh, STL uh, fan page. So always a great time to hear from this guy. Uh, he doesn't uh, talk too much, but when he does, he always has something very good to say. So I, I always enjoy hearing uh, what Ivan has to say. So again, Ivan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to go to iTunes, to give it a rating, and to leave a review. Uh, I love iTunes reviews. They're excellent. They are what help make the show get higher up the chain. So I have 13 now, so I'm doing good. I'm very excited. Uh, hopefully we can get this thing even higher pretty soon. So he goes on to say, great podcast. What you going to do? He says, I've been around since he started writing in on flicks, getting pointers, and always had a lot to say, which... Uh, you know, everything really started when, uh, you know, when I was listening to uh, the shadowy flight, as I mentioned before, was the first podcast I ever got into. So I wrote in on a few episodes on that. And then uh, there was one time in Flix where uh, Mad Dog was on in Flix. And, uh, and Jason had just read my email. Uh, it didn't say who it was from. And then uh, Mad Dog's like, did you say who that was from? And then Jason goes, uh, Masunis. And he goes, oh, uh, Michael. And Mad, Mad Dog's like, yeah, you didn't say who that was from. And then I, the next email I wrote and said, hey, you know, nobody has ever said my last name correctly before. You know, feel free to go ahead and, and always call me that because at the time there was like another Michael that was writing in. So that way it wasn't confused. And then it just kind of stuck the whole Masunis thing. And, uh, and when he's talking about, you know, I, at that point, I would continuously every week write into flicks and I'd always have like epic long emails and, uh, I'd always never space them together. It was always, it was always hilarious time. And then of course, pointer wise, uh, you know, Jason always helped me out, uh, with, uh, with his comments in the emails and then also on the podcast. So that's kind of what, uh, Ivan's referring to there. And he goes on to say that, uh, his pal Jason plugged him, and the rest was history. Uh, he reviews mostly movies from my generation, and then he puts "quote unquote" '80s, but also first, uh, but also first run current hits that are in the theater now. I would re- I would recommend this show as a family show with no profanity and a lot of uh, diversity covering movies, TV, and music. Keep up the good work, Masunis, and send them home in a body bag. So uh, thank you, sir. Uh, I'm, I, I really appreciate this. I'm glad that you would definitely recommend the show. Uh, you know, as far as profanity goes, you know, I know I know, I say ass and I say douchebag. And hopefully it doesn't offend anybody that I say it. But uh, I don't think of it as swear words. But, you know, if it ever comes across that way, I apologize. It's just... You know, it's just kind of something that I normally would say in certain situations. So, but uh, I'm definitely thank you, sir, so much. And uh, sounds like you know you've been with me since day one, and I thank you so much for sticking with me this whole time. So that is my iTunes review. So just please feel free. I got 17 ratings right now and 13 reviews. So I'd love to get some more if you have a chance. To go on out to iTunes. So let's get into uh, the email portion. Uh, the first email comes from John the Music Man. He says, Hello, STL Nation and Mike. And I, I always love how Music Man always refers to STL Nation first. Always cracks me up. It's good stuff. He said, Bad Boys, Bad Boys is such a great flick and one of my favorite actors, Will Smith. Plus, he is from Philly, so he is way cool, which I did not know he was from Philly. So thanks for that, sir. He said, But this movie is 
is one of my favorite buddy cop movies, so having a blast rewatching this. Uh, great flick. Uh, great choice for the movie to review. Uh, thanks so much, John the Music Man from Philly, like the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. So, good time, sir. Uh uh, yeah, I, I had no idea it was from Philly. So awesome. So, and you know, I always talk to him every day. So it's of course always good to hear from him. It's good stuff. And uh, the next one comes from uh, one of our newest members of the STL Nation, uh, Jameson the Great. And it's kind of funny. Uh, you're probably wondering how he got that. Jameson is in the STL, uh, the the Facebook group, the STL Nation Randomness. And, uh, and I said that, hey, your nickname is just going to be Jameson because your name is cool enough. And I had said uh, there's like this inside joke about uh, the great Jameson or Jameson the Great. He's like, yeah, I, that sounds better. So we just referred to it that we were going to keep it as Jameson the Great. So that's his, uh, that's his STL nickname is Jameson the Great. So here's what Jameson the Great had to say. He said, uh, hey, Masuna, so you're reviewing Bad Boys, huh? I got a couple thoughts on the film. This was our first introduction to Will Smith, action hero. It was the pairing of the two of the 90s biggest young comic actors in a big hit buddy cop movie. The movie itself is pretty formulaic, which I believe, uh, which I agree with you 100%. No real deviations from your standard buddy cop film. Uh, you've got the chief who's writing our heroes from being loose cannons. You've got the other pair of detectives who messes with them. You've got an at-home, an at-home drama and a big-time baddie in the mix. But the thing that separates this film, in my mind, is the unique chemistry between Smith and Lawrence and the flat-out comedic chops of both men to deliver hilarious lines. The constant banter be- back and forth between them makes this movie. The use of a very underrated Tia Leone as the female uh, element was great, too. She handled her own throughout. I enjoyed this movie as a dumb action movie with some laughs in it. Uh, it solidified Will Smith as a bankable action star, and unfortunately... Martin Lawrence as a fat suit wearing grandma going forward. I don't feel the same about the sequel that followed, but it's the same. But that's for another day. I'd give this a recommend for those who have not seen it. That is all, Jameson the Great. And uh, of course, thank you, Jameson, for writing in. And something Jameson told me in in the uh, in the Facebook group, uh, he called me something that I thought was pretty awesome. He went to call me uh, Contrarian Masunis. Uh, because, you know, I always go up against the grain and I always like crap that people don't, you know, necessarily like. Uh, you know, like I like the movies that most people hate because I mentioned how I prefer number two over number one. He's like, you're ever the contrarian, Mr. Masunis. I was like, I like that contrarian Masunis. So yeah, that's kind of my feelings when it comes to Bad Boys 2. But uh, I guess we'll definitely see if I feel that way. But I, I really agree with uh, you know his thoughts about how you know Will Smith went to go on to be the huge star, which we knew. But Martin Lawrence, unfortunately, you know he went to do like Big Mama's House, and you know the first movie I ever saw him in was House Party. I thought he was real annoying in that, but I did watch his show Martin, uh, which. Um, uh, I thought was actually entertaining and I didn't find him annoying at all. So by the time bad boys came around, I was, I was really looking forward to watching him in the movie. 
And of course, I watched uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air more than I ever watched Martin. So I was already a humongous Will Smith fan. It's just so cool uh, how Will Smith just blew up. And, you know, Mr. Fourth of July, summer blockbuster uh, guy he became. So so thank you, Jameson. As always, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on Bad Boys 2. So that way we can debate and uh, and we'll find out that I win and you lose. So I'm looking forward to that next week, sir. So it'll be good times. And, of course, I'm just messing with you, sir. So that is it from J- Jameson the Great. So let's get to our final email. And this comes from Monday Night Jason, also another one of my buddies that I talk to every day. Always a great time to hear from me. He says, bad boys, what you going to do? He's like, what's up, Mr. Masunas and the STL Nation? Uh, just wanted to drop you a few lines on bad boys. What can I say about this movie but the fact that Bad Boys is one of my all-time favorite films, which, good on you, sir. That's an awesome pick. It stars Will Smith and Martin Lawrence as two Miami cops. Both are two very funny actors who took an action role very well. This flick packs great action, amazing one-liners, and a great soundtrack. I remember going to see this flick and having to pay for a ticket to Power Rangers the movie and then sneaking in the Bad Boys, which, not a you, sir, but uh, I agree. I used to do that as well used to uh i think that's how i saw armageddon i or either i paid for armageddon and saw street fighter or something i don't know what it was but street fighter oh that's like the worst movie ever um and he goes uh back when movies only costed four dollars and fifty cents i miss those day those days i know it's not everyone's cup of tea but i think that everyone who is a fan of this uh of the action should dig this flick four out of five stars well, now with the success of the Avengers and the delay of G.I. Joe, uh, I'm hoping that the rest of the summer runs smooth. Till then, I'll be awaiting the arrival of Prometheus, uh, Spider-Man, and The Dark Knight Rises. Well, you guys take care, and we'll holla at you later. Uh, Monday night, Jason. P.S. I want to pack a tropical fruit bubblicious and some Skittles. So thank you, sir. Always great time to hear from you. Uh, hopefully he'll continue to write in more often. So that's what we have, guys, for all the emailers. Thank you all that wrote in. If you'd like to write in, please do so at sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com. And uh, let's get into the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. Now, this is uh, if from the last episode I mentioned how I'm starting a new, uh, hopefully ten week summer music spotlight special where you know it's warm out now and I'm picking two songs to where you can uh, just if you don't have your air conditioner in you can just roll down your window and blast these songs out of your car now the reason why I have two is number one is uh, the first song is going to be a song that uh, this is more like the Masoonis playlist that I use where every summer I take my CDs and I throw these suckers in and I blast them out my stereo and just hope that the cops don't hear so the first song will probably be a song that uh, a few of you may know but maybe not everybody but I think that you need to hear it because these are just flat out awesome Uh, throw your hands out of your car just pump up the jam just they're awesome and then the second one is going to be a song that everybody knows there's no way that nobody has not heard this song before yeah you know 
it's just either their normal summertime songs, you know, because when you think of summertime songs, you think of, you know, Will Smith had a summertime song. Uh, there's like Get Jiggy With It, Katy Perry had like California Girls. Uh, you know, there's just so many, uh, you know, like Britney Spears had Baby One More Time. I mean, there's just so many summertime songs out there uh, that either they came out in the summertime and they just blew up the, the radio or they're specifically designed uh, for summer, like Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus, that kind of thing. So the second song will be songs that everybody knows. And the cool thing is if you uh, have read in your iPod, I kind of gave you little secrets, which I'm going to be doing on all of the future episodes. Uh, I kind of threw a little code in there to let you know what the songs could possibly be. Now for the first song, I'm not going to tell you, uh, I may tell you who the artist is, but I won't tell you the name of the song. Or I may tell you the name of the song, but I won't tell you who the artist is because I want you to be able to listen to each song uh, and do an unbiased opinion on it and then the following week I'll go back and tell you this is who uh, sang the song this is where you can get it that kind of thing so I'm really looking forward and we're going to start this off with a bang because last week I didn't do it I just played some Icon for Hire it was one of my new favorite bands Uh, I played that on the last episode but uh, this episode starts off the summer music uh, special so the first song is called Psycho and uh, immediately it's got a crazy name and you can tell it, this is going to be a crazy song. Uh, and it's it's just, oh, it is so good. Uh, everybody's going psycho, hands up, tear it down. Everybody feel the sound. We're all going, I mean, you get it. The song just by the title alone is awesome. And it's got a great Great uh, catchy chorus, uh, great guitar solo. And then the second song uh, is the very first Will Smith song uh, that I ever heard. Uh, and that, uh, and now granted, I heard Nightmare on My Street, but that was before I knew who Will Smith was. Because, you know, I can't do a Will Smith movie and not do a Will Smith summertime song. But uh, I'm not going to tell you the title of this song, but you definitely have heard the song before because it was very popular in the summer. And uh, it's my favorite Will Smith song. Uh, I hear it all the time, still to this day. I hear it played at, at functions. So this song totally rocks. And uh, you'll have to just stick around and check out to find out what song it is. But uh, I cannot end a Will Smith movie without a Will Smith song. And these two songs are flipping awesome. It's a great way to start off your summer. And I am looking forward to the rest of the series going forward. Now, uh, as a recap before I end this episode, I mentioned how, and you may not have heard this, that uh, when I start the Batman series, which will be after Bad Boys 2, uh, I'm going to be going through all the Batman films. And uh, for a special guest, uh, Batman and Robin, I'm going to have Jason come on for that. Yes, Jason from Flicks and Film and Focus and uh, Show Me to Winston. Because when he was on Buried, we talked about uh, coming back on. But when he came back on, we would do a fun film. And uh, and Batman and Robin is definitely the film to have him come on. Because we all know his Arnold impersonations are priceless. And we may not necessarily rip on the movie. It's more of like praise it for the fact of because of this crappy movie is the reason why we got the, the Nolan series. I mean, Batman and Robin is definitely a kid's film, no doubt about it. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, here's the thing. Jason, as we all know, is very, very busy. Now, we have no idea when we're going to be able to actually record this episode. So I highly suggest you go and watch Batman and Robin and send in your emails. Because whatever emails I have, those are the ones I'm reading. If I don't have any emails, I'm not reading any emails. And uh, we almost got together yesterday. However, our time frame didn't work out. 
Uh, we were going to get together this Tuesday, but that didn't work out. Maybe next weekend. So uh, because of his busy schedule, we're trying to get together. Uh, technically, Batman and Robin doesn't come out for another five weeks. But I just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. If it doesn't happen, I apologize. But, you know, he's very busy. You know, we're, we got a two-hour time difference where I'm at. He's in Nevada. I'm in Illinois. So I'm two hours ahead of him. So his 7 is my 9 o'clock time. So I just want to give you a heads up that that's the plan. We're keeping our fingers crossed. And that is our intention to get together to record Batman and Robin. But if it doesn't happen... Hopefully no hearts will be broken out there. So I'm looking forward to it. And that's all I have, guys. Don't forget to go on iTunes. Please rate the show or do a quick review. Take like two minutes out of your day. Just drop a line. That would be awesome. I'd love the feedback. Don't forget to check out uh, the Twitter account. It's STL Podcast on Twitter. If you're not like the Facebook page yet, please go to www.facebook.com slash podcast and go ahead and click like. Currently have 39 people on there. I would definitely like to get more on there because I know there's more listeners than just 39 people. And uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, my wife. Uh, she makes bracelets uh, on her spare time. Uh, for any of you uh, female listeners out there or any guys that know of this, uh, if you know Pandora, is a pretty famous um, you know uh, part of making bracelets. They're, they're very expensive though. So my wife actually uh, got into where she starts to make her own and she actually buys like a whole crap load of it and then she puts it together. So uh, there's this thing called Relay for Life, which is a a cancer walk because her father actually had cancer in the eye. Uh, His eye actually had to be removed. So he only has one eye, but he's a cancer survivor. So uh, we're going to be doing about two weeks. There's going to be a Relay for Life. And uh, as, as... trying to help she is making and selling bracelets now i'm going to and they're about 10 to 15 dollars the most expensive one is 15 if you want to have your own created like if you have uh, cancer you know someone who has cancer and you need a different co- a certain color uh, you can request it and there's a couple different ways that you can do that you can email in to uh you know sweep delay podcast yahoo.com you can go on my personal facebook account you can find michael masunis and then you can personal message me even if we're not friends uh saying you're interested you can go on twitter um or you can just go on the uh the facebook page because what i'm going to do is i'm going to get a group of photos together and i'm going to be putting an album together and that's going to be posted on the facebook page uh very uh, in the next day or so my wife is currently at work right now, so I have to get all of her bracelets together. But uh, I would definitely love the support. And keep in mind that half of the proceeds are all going to uh, the Relay for Life walk that we'll be doing in two weeks uh, for cancer uh, research and, and stuff. It's a great, great, great benefit. And, and you don't have to spend $60 uh, you know, trying to buy a bracelet or, or buy the Pandora beads or, or those kind of things. These beads, they look great. Some of them are Pandora, but they're like the rejected kind where like there may have been a scratch on like the inside. So therefore they were rejected and that's how my wife was able to get those. So more information, any information you have, feel free to message me and I will send you those pictures. Uh, be on the lookout for that out that picture album that has a whole bunch of those. So if there's anyone you like, you can just say, hey, I like this one. Can you hook me up? And as far as like mailing it to you, we can just do like, you know, uh, maybe like a dollar 
uh, dollar shipping or something like that. You know, like so we can make it like fourteen dollars, and then a dollar shipping makes it fifteen or ten. However. Uh, wherever you live, we'll figure it out. But uh, the most it should be is 15 on ones already made. If you need one made up, uh, we will get into details with you on how much that would be. But it shouldn't be an, an astronomical amount. So that's something I want to talk to you guys about. So on the group page, uh, the face, the STL Nation randomness, I'll be sending that out. And then also on the Facebook page and then also on Twitter, I'll go ahead and tweet the link there. So that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Hopefully you can uh, help support the Relay for Life uh, Cancer Walk coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, But if, if even after two weeks, you still want to buy one, hey, Uh, That would be great. We'll just use that money for the next year. So uh, until next time, guys, uh, it it may be this coming Tuesday or the following Friday. It just depends how the week goes. But we'll talk some Bad Boys 2. And then after Bad Boys 2, we'll start the Batman series. And I'll go ahead and redo Batman 89 and just do a more extensive review on that, especially since uh, I've had more exposure to DVD commentaries and that kind of thing and just have more thoughts now on it. So thanks guys so much for for listening. I hope you enjoy the music spotlight. The first song will be Psycho. uh, And then uh, stick around for the Will Smith song. So you guys take care. Misunas out.
ready for me yet? Well, yo, are y'all ready for me yet? Well, yo, are y'all ready for me yet? Well, here I go, here I go, here I, here I go. Yo, dance in the aisles when the prince steps to it. The rhymes of football, y'all, and I went and threw it out in the crowd. And yo, it was a good throw. How do I know? Because the crowd went. In response to the way that I was kicking it. Smooth and individual rhymes, always original. Like the Dr. Jekyll, man, and this is my high side. I am the driver, and y'all want to rap ride. So, fellas, yeah. are y'all with me? But sometimes I get nervous and start to stutter Enough to fumble every word, word I utter So I just try to ch 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 chill But it gets worse and worse and worse still I need the crowd to get into it They help me calm down and I can get through it So higher, higher, get your hands to the ceiling Let it go, y'all don't fight the feeling Might get a stranglehold, sweat pouring And like Jordan, yo, I'm scoring Yeah, that's right, y'all, and I am in the flow So pump up the volume along with the tempo Many have died trying to stop my show I came here tonight to hear the crowd go Boom, shake, shake 